You guys asked for it. It's finally here. Carousel Project inspired merch. This collection has been on our hearts and minds for a while and it was finally the time for us to bring it to life. Spinning Carousel Company is a pixie dusted jewelry company inspired by theme park history and all of our most magical moments. Each piece is custom designed to represent the unique moments in time of each of your favorite parks. Buy them now at spinningcarousel.com and use code CARUSELPROJECT for 10% off your first order. Thank you all so much for your support. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of season six of the Carousel Project podcast. It feels so crazy to say that six whole seasons. Six seasons. Six seasons. Can that you is, believe it? I cannot believe it. That is I absolutely crazy. I feel like every season I just say like, oh my gosh, six seasons, four seasons, five seasons, like that number just sounds so big. Yeah. And it's crazy. It always sound bigger. Um, so it's crazy. And I recently have seen a lot of um, data, especially on LinkedIn about podcasts and how people Ooh. say that most podcasts don't make it past like, what is it? Like the first or second season. I think I sent Aww. you guys that one. Yeah. So it's crazy. And we truly would be here without all of you who listen so thank you so much for listening for interacting with us for asking us questions and for just you know taking time to make this passion project a little part of your life that's incredible and amazing so season six speaking of questions before we get started we do have that phone number set up i know we wanted to mention that too so i don't know oh yes please you want to mention i figured we should mention the beginning and the end so we're mentioning it now first We are mentioning it now for the first time ever on our podcast, our new phone number. So basically, you can call us anytime you want, and you can leave a voice message, and we will take that voice message, play it on the podcast, and answer your burning questions. Now, you can find this information on our Instagram at Carousel Project Podcast. On Instagram, there is a highlight that's called Call CPP. The number is listed there, but for anyone who wants to call the number is 407-457-4456 you will hear your own voice on our podcast what could be better the best voice what of could all. be better what <laughs> could be better than hearing your own voice on our podcast i feel like that's super fun I do too. Yeah, I, seriously. I think so. And, I as someone who has to listen back to my voice and all of our voices on this podcast for <laughs> hours on end as I edit, hearing your own voices on on a podcast, pretty awesome. Yeah. Adam wants to hear a new voice is what he said. Yeah. 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 Please. Please help. <laughs> Anybody. He's absolutely sick of these. Anyone's voice. <laughs> anyone else's voice that he can hear. Um, yeah. He thinks he would be great, you know, anything new. So help Adam out, send Please. along some, you know, new voices. We'd love to hear from you guys. We are so thrilled. Season six, I cannot believe it has taken us this long to get to this topic because this is one Honestly. of oh, yeah. one of our favorite oh, parts. Baby. But y'all know we reserve My season openers and season closers for something big. So Kate, tell them what we're doing today. We are talking about the opening of my favorite park, the one that never was and always will be, Disney MGM Studios, baby. Woohoo! 
yes we are. But before we jump in, I am Josie Maida, and you can find me on all socials at Josie Maida. And I'm Kate Killebrew. You can find me on all socials at Kate Killebrew. And I'm Epcot Adam, and you can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. Yeah, you can. Oh, the yeah. first yeah, you can of season <laughs> six, baby. There she is. What Starting do you think about yeah, you can merch? I feel like it's. We've we talked about this. I want to do yeah. a yeah, yeah you can sticker or something. A yeah, you can yes. sticker. A yeah, you can shirt. A yeah, you can necklace. Because it's funny. Ooh, it's all about a, me, a which yeah, is important. You can necklace. Ooh, that sounds it's good. funny. Ooh. It's funny. It's one of my quotes, and I'm the star of the show, so that's, that's important. True. Obviously, and then it's and motivational. Then it's also, it's motivational. It's it just hits on all levels. People, it really, it's a, it, it's it a conversation a starter. You know, people would be like, "Why are you wearing a yeah you can necklace?" Well, because I can. I can. Also, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. Also, I listen to the best podcast ever, and they say yeah you can. So yeah, not they. Josie says yeah you can. The star Josie of the show it. says <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can. Kelsey would be first in line to buy one of those and wear it every day. So let's make it happen. <laughs> Let us know. Don't you guys know where to find us time. on Instagram. Tell us what you think. <laughs> let's start with our question of the day. What is your favorite memory at Disney's MGM or Disney's Hollywood Studios? Coco? Okay. Um, This is a toughie for me because, I, like I said, this is my favorite park. Um, I've had a lot of great memories there. But I think I'm going to pull away from the vault early 2000s and say when my mom was a part of the Doug Live show at Disney MGM Studios. That show was only That's open. I think I like, still can't believe I it. I think like only like 2000 to 2001. Like it was a very short show. Um, runner up would probably be being there for the 30th with my girl Jojo. Um do I wish there was more fanfare? Always. But you know Always. what? Yes. We're in a different era. It wasn't a Mikey era in 2019. So I, I'll take what I could get. Mm-mm. Anyways, Mm-mm. that's it for me. Toto? Um, I think I would have to say because my first visit to Disney World in general was in 2011. And the first ride I ever went on was Rock and Roller Coaster. So I think just like that stands out in my mind because I love that ride so much. And the fact that it was my first ride ever on Walt Disney World property is pretty cool. Yeah. Wait, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's tough to be a bug. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Keep that to yourself. That's true. Jeez. I should, you know, I'll Adam, go back that was in time. So go to embarrassing. First. Although that he did so have Legoland in DCA, so he probably <laughs> right. did it there. Right. I had it here. I, I it's did not it on the a same. daily basis out here. No, it's, it's not, not the same. There is no, it's tough to be a bug. The way I no. wanted to like, it's tough to be a bug as a kid. The way I wanted to, the Kate, fact that right, it's because in, I love a bug's life. the fact that, no, the, yeah, I love a bug's life. That's one of my favorite movies, but the fact that it's inside of the park icon, like, that's my right, favorite effing thing. And I'm the fact you. the fact that the fact that I was so traumatized on my seventh birthday, the day, the day of my seventh birthday. July 14th, 2000. I will be 30 this year, okay? <laughs> um I can't can't go back. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Awful. It's embarrassing. We- I can't keep it to myself. Can't if we it. get 10 voicemails asking that Kate goes on it's tough to be a bug, <laughs> she will do it. Yeah, she will. Kate will do it. Ten and, voicemails. And we'll film it. Ten voicemails about Kate going on. It's tough to be a bug. I don't know. I'm pretty she manipulative. She will do it. We will people film it. That number again I'm is not really the one that people please. Four, I don't five, know where you're coming up with that. Four, four, five, six. <laughs> I think this is Josie testing people right now. I've heard she likes to test people. 
I've heard that too. I've heard that. I have too. But I want to go back to my least favorite memory. (laughs) My least favorite memory at Hollywood Studios was was being cornered um, and by a crying lady asking me why I loved Kate more than I loved her. And that was just, it just stands out as such a pivotal moment in my life. As the star of the show, this does sound like something I would do, but I want to go on record and say it was not me. It, it was not no, the star of the show. No. It, was, it, was, it no was someone who's on this not podcast. a part of the podcast. I think it's the only person who's not on this podcast. <laughs> We're getting, it's a little too all right, on the nose. All right, all right, well. Okay, and, Club and 30 also, tea, if, you, soft if you want us, yes, if you want us to do Club 30 T, <laughs> an exclusive patron tier above the e-ticket where we spill the tea on all of our insiders please let us know dm us leave us a voicemail let us know which insiders you want to know about first and we will provide it kate and adam are obsessed with club 30t which i do love the name i feel like we have to do something club we 30 were gonna has do, to be something we were gonna do tears like the bear necessity um, country bear jamber country tea. bear jamber tea and then club 30 team is like where you get it all like maybe how about screenshots without TV. names maybe yeah Muppet vision TT. there we go <laughs> anyway if you guys the are rate like, at which the they can come up with ways about? to add tea into different things is just absolutely crazy if you've always wondered what the heck are they telling us to watch out for why do they keep saying it's embarrassing Keep that to yourself when they talk about it's tough to be a bug. This patron program is for you. So let why us know. Why are we taking care at the end yeah, of the Yeah, why episode. do we take care? Anyways. It's Join fun. us. <laughs> Anyways, my favorite moment at Disney's Hollywood Studios was probably for the 30th anniversary. They had a really good raspberry trifle dessert that I will never forget about. And Kate and I went and we had ourselves a little day and it was just fun. It was just a really it was fun, fun day. It was like a different time in my life, and it was just so much fun. I had no worries. Aww, was I still working I miss, at Club Thirty Three at the time? Yeah, I was still. Working I think at Club you were. At the time. And I yeah. miss, I miss being able to go in that Muppets gift shop. That's where they had all the merch for the <gasps> celebration. Yeah. The now gift it's shop. been closed for like two, three, three yeah. years. So three I, years. I don't want to talk about it. But um, I brought it up, but I don't want to talk about it. So um, <laughs> that's what I miss about the thirtieth. I would say. That was something I never the thought would be taken away from me. But it was. It's the cutest gift shop. I don't understand. Just keep I it I know. It's Kate, so I remember cute. we got Wishables in there one time. The, uh, the Wishables also yeah. rip. I can't believe they... I always I like to look Wishables. up at I feel the like, details. I feel like they literally removed Wishables at the top of their game. Like, I can't yep. believe that Wishables are no more because they were literally, like, so popular and then they were just like, nope, we're going to replace well, them with new emos. Which, I, I was going to... And Yeah, I was going to say new emos and munchlings, I think. Munchlings like, can can't absolutely... Have all of them go to heck okay i will never i made a promise that i will never our resident foodie has spoken i will never buy a munchling if they couldn't get me with the figment figgy bar they're never gonna get me i have that one they almost got me with the figgy they almost got me i forgot truly i would have probably gotten i'm flipping adam off but i'm telling you guys all that i'm doing it (laughs) I, i also don't need to collect anything else so that's why I haven't. I have two new emos. I do not plan on growing the collection. They, I have Oswald and Kermit. They do not have outfits. They don't need outfits for me no. personally. They're just on my. I do want. Shelves. I do want Kermit and Oswald. Kermit has like never come back. I've thought about getting them as piggy, but the thing I is, got him like 
recently. The thing is, I have the Kermit Wishable, so I'm kind of like, do I need the Kermit Nuemo? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're very I have similar. Both, They're but very I, similar. I have both, but I think the Kermit Nuemo is cuter. Like, really, I think the Kermit sorry. Wishable is cuter. Look at no, his star I like eyes. How, I mean, let's put look up at a poll Kermit, in the stories. Look at look at Kermit standing up in the back. Like he's just chilling. He's really cute. He's so cute. He is. So you can sit him down. The you wishable can pose has him. the wishable has like boba eyes and they have little stars in them. I wish I was a wishable. <laughs> yeah, and then Oswald, I he's wish. chilling further down on my shelves. He's cute too, so I had to get him. But no outfits, no spirit jerseys for mine. They will stay in their. If, if you guys want us nakedness. to make Carousel Project podcast wishables of the three of us, please let us know. <laughs> How will we even do that? Can I anyone even draw know. that? Um, anyway, we need to. We severely need to get. I back was going to say we're twelve minutes we're in. Gone. Let's go. Yeah, we're so, gone. My favorite memory, as I said, thirtieth anniversary. It was really fun. I feel like it was the last time there was like any kind of fanfare. Like there wasn't that much fanfare, but still more fanfare than we've seen in recent years. Don't you, wouldn't you agree? And I was, I was saying to Kate, mm-hmm. I feel like it's the last time that the park felt like, I don't know. It was very much like, even though obviously it had been renamed, they got the new logo that day. It was the last time. I feel like that was like the last thread of feeling any bit like Disney's MGM studios. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was when they really put the last nail on the coffin and said, we don't care about movie making. You're going to Star Wars or you're going to Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's it, baby. Look at the new logo. We got BB-8 in there. We've got Woody. <laughs> and we've got this new version of Mickey. We are really pointing out that we own these three brands. And that is the new logo. Yeah. So I feel like it was like the last time that it had that feeling of like almost like vintage Hollywood studios that they were really trying to yeah. celebrate the Hollywood that never was and always will be. And I just feel like that, again, was like that was it. That has never happened again. So Disney's Hollywood Studios. Let's get started. May 1st, 1989. She opened her gates. What gate? Uh, could we talk a little before? We can talk before. I just wanted to share the opening date. Oh, yeah. Of course, Kate. I'll I'll grant it. Not not of course, but you may. You may speak on the before. Go on. Should we talk about the opening weekend events first, or should we talk about like the process of it becoming a park and all of I that? I was going to talk a little bit about the process way. because doing the research was when I found out for the first time that Miss Girl was messy as hell. Like, sorry, but Miss Girl was never keeping that MGM Studios name. Like from no. day one, from day one, they had to be thinking about other names because well, to she be was not she was not going to keep that name. Well, to be fair, they could have kept that name in perpetuity depending on what they decided after their 20-year agreement was up. They had Mm -hmm. the agreement through 2005. Um, It was signed in 1985. But if obviously if it was like worthwhile for both MGM and Disney to continue, they could have continued using that until the end of time. Disney was paying upwards of a million dollars a year after the fourth year to, to use the MGM name for like the logos and stuff like that. And we all know that they barely had access to the films. Like Mm -hmm. they did not really have access to the films. Oh, 110%. So the reason that I was saying that I was like, 
Miss Girl was not keeping her name was because basically all the way back when they first started working on this park, um, the owner of MGM was not happy from the start. Yeah, he was left out he of wasn't. a bunch of key discussions, meaning that a lot of other executives had given away basically the rights of the MGM name in this usage to Disney for a mm-hmm. relatively yeah. small licensing fee for the fact that Disney was A, a competitor, and B, we have to remember back in the day they were using MGM Studios as a place to make TV and movies. Um, So it wasn't just a theme park back then. It really was truly a competitor. Um, And so they sued Disney over it, even though they had literally just signed the agreement. And Disney was like, nah, girl, we're suing you back. So Disney sued (laughs) Mm -hmm. them back um, because they were making, at the time, the MGM Grand theme park. which was called MGM Grand Adventure. It was in yeah. Las Vegas between 1993 mm-hmm. and 2000. So Disney was like, Disney was like, hey, so we were supposed to have the rights to the MGM name for any and all theme for parks. For theme parks, yeah. And MGM was like, go screw yourself. You went around people to get what you wanted. So basically, it was not really like this, like, you'd expect that if these two huge beloved companies were going into something as big as opening a new theme park they would be kind of maybe be in it together a little bit more when in reality looking back it was a very tense process which makes sense for the mikey era because i feel like that was mikey like he got an idea in his head and he was gonna do it he was doing it no matter what i mean i think what's the most confusing thing to the outside world about disney mgm studios is like you said you would assume that this park was built 50-50 or at least some part with MGM, you know, compared to like maybe the Tokyo parks or something, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. where the two entities own it. So they both take on a part in the process. Mm -hmm. And with this, that just simply wasn't the case. They just worked to get that logo, uh, you know, usage. And then um, the film rights, but like, as as we've had explained, like they really didn't have that many, entities that they can use which is why you see so many other things like Lucasfilm in there like other things because they're like we really can't use much and we can't people don't only want Disney you know like they 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 didn't have enough it's also very I mean obviously of course back in the day Disney didn't own as much but also to me it's kind of crazy because I always feel like when they change the name of the park yeah I always feel like at that point and even now like MGM is way on the backswing. Like, you think mm-hmm. they would have fought to be like, hey, we want to stay us. the name of the park. Yeah, like, us. hey, we want to pay to redo, um, we want to pay to redo the great movie ride and right. incorporate more of your rides exactly. and incorporate more of our movies. We want to help pay to do something to the park. We want to help keep it up because. I feel like that was really one of the only ways that they were keeping MGM relevant. However, I think when it came time to rename the park and that 20-year contract was up, I think Disney was kind of like, We don't need no, you anymore. We don't need yeah, you anymore. Need like, you we anymore. have enough We have enough original IP. Yeah. And again, at the time when they were renaming this park, it was starting to be more of what we see now, which is very much that leadership has openly said, like, no, we want to focus more on our IP. Guests who are coming to the park for that one and only trip want to see that IP in the parks. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think, I think knowing the timeline, the fact that 
Universal bought that land in 1982. Like they were saying as early as 1982 that they're planning to build a Florida park. I think Mm -hmm. Mikey being a new CEO in 1984, I believe, was kind of going into like scramble mode of like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we don't have the Universal Library. We've got to, he's like, what about MGM? Oh, I'll call up my boy, you know, George Lucas, get that in there as well. But we want to put, they want to put an iconic movie name behind their movie park. So I do think it was like definitely a short term strategy for a name because I'm like you like obviously I still call the park MGM like shorthand not thinking about it because that's what I grew up with like it's not like a it's always MGM to me situation it's Mm -hmm. just that's what I grew up with it as Um, but like from a strategy standpoint like Hollywood Studios makes way more sense because MGM, stu- like, other than there being, like, some MGM titles in the great movie ride, there really wasn't, like, not any connection other than the logo. Mm. But at the time, I think it was just MGM was so, like, very yeah, that's much what I'm at saying. the time. They wanted this to really feel like it was Hollywood. And when we start to get yeah. into the opening gala and the opening events and the opening, mm-hmm. like, the original intention for this park... I do understand where they were coming from because for the time that they were trying to replicate, MGM was that Oh, girl. absolutely. Like she absolutely was it. They and fought for Leo the Lion. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they knew what they wanted. And I think that's why it made sense for like that version of the park. And I think yeah. Mikey, whoever he did end up talking to, not the owner, but like the other person, he's probably like, this is a great opportunity for you too because people are going to, you know, see your, mm-hmm. your stuff and think of, you know, MGM in our park, you know, this is going to be the best movie park on the East Coast. Like, you know, he was Mm -hmm. probably talking it up like that. But um, I mean, they made that deal, I believe, in June of 1985. So, you know, he was really rocking and rolling, trying to get this project going because Universal would end up announcing their park I believe in 86 and then with so many problems they ran into it wouldn't open till 90 but mm-hmm. anyway I, I I think they were just like we've got to get ahead of this we've got to get ahead of this we got to get ahead of this and I feel like it led to a lot of a lot of little issues one thing I didn't realize until researching that you kind of touched on was about them being so angry MGM being so angry that Disney was filming stuff in the theme park mm-hmm. and using that dual logo because they were like, now they're using our name to like to, uh, to, run to a produce stuff, and yeah. and like I understand, um, I understand where they're coming from. But the problem is their agreement that they signed in '85. The judge ruled that it the, it read as if Disney could do that, so they they lost that and Suck it they MDM. ended up. Yeah, they still ended up doing their theme park, so they won that end. But, I mean, it failed. It, it closed in 2000. So I feel like they yeah. both kind of won part of it and lost part of it for that for that studio. And who was the biggest losers? Us, because we have no great movie ride. So <laughs> but I did really find, lost. I did find a breakdown on that agreement from a 1991 book called The Disney Touch. Um, it said Ooh, that... The, the Disney n- Touch. Yeah, I, I found this online. So... Apparently, the negotiations for this took about a month. Um, Disney walked away with Leo the Lion's mane and received um, free reign of using the Roaring Lion and some of the old MGM movies. But we know that, like, 
that really wasn't the case. Like, that's why they only have the Wizard of Oz and, like, one other part, really, that they mm-hmm. were actually able yeah. to use, and they were very short. Like, that's why the twister scene never happened and all that. Anyways, um, it said that it was a tw- um, it was a 20-year agreement. Disney paid only $100,000 per year for the first three years and then $250,000 for the fourth year. The fee would increase by $50,000 each year until it would cap at $1 million per year. Um, the contract was signed to go in June 1985, so it would run through June 2005. But Disney was still given the rights to use the name through 2007 with a transition period of 2008, which is why the name would eventually change in 2008. They were kind of Mm -hmm. given that two year grace period, I guess maybe because MGM wasn't as hot as it was 20 years prior. Maybe they were like, Mm -hmm. Oh, keep it on there. Keep it on there. But, um, right. They were benefiting from having their name on there at that point. Oh, a hundred percent. And also you have to remember Disney wasn't using it as a studio anymore. No, that had been yep. long gone at that point. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, ultimately that the owner was not included in the negotiation. Like, I don't know how that really went down. Like, that's kind of crazy. And then for them to get in this battle back and forth about theme parks and filming in the theme parks, mm-hmm. like so much extra drama right around when this park is opening. And they, I read that's apparently why the park really only opened with two rides at the time, because they were like, we don't want to get this thing any bigger than it is right now, like lawsuit wise. So we're going to keep it small and let this thing get sorted out, which I say worked out in their favor. Absolutely so. wild. When they opened, there was a lot of fanfare. Um, it was really, really huge. Um, they had a gala to open, and then they had a TV special that was absolutely studded with stars. Um and it was hosted by John Ritter, which made me almost start crying when I started oh. watching it. Yeah. Um, I loved John Ritter. My mom loved him. She was devastated when he passed away. We are big Three's Company's fans, and it was Three's Company, and it was so sweet to, like, see him, like, so young and, like, running around the park, and it was so cool. Um, But from a PR and marketing standpoint, this – I mean, they did a gala when the park opened and they did this huge TV special and they did more than just TV specials. Like we'll include it in the show notes, but there were like so many times where they were doing other things in the parks and they would be like, hey, we're also doing, um, like we're opening MGM Studios soon. Like there were times where there was like a tour by Rebus Philbin and then there were other times where they were like, okay, we're doing the, you know, Easter parade, but you know, before we go to break, look at what's going on at Hollywood yeah, Studios yeah. and would show mm-hmm. like piles of dirt and like the park being built. Like any time yeah. they were doing anything on TV, they were like, before we go, here's a look at Hollywood Studios. The commercials were absolutely adorable. Like before this park even opened, they were pushing it, oh, pushing yeah. it with they like stars, pushing it with stars saying like, oh, this is the place to be. This is the closest thing to Hollywood. And you have to remember in the late 80s, like that was huge to see one of your favorite celebrities be like, I'm in, you know, literally John Ritter was basically like, 
he he basically was like, this is the closest you can get to Hollywood without actually being there. Yeah. And he was like, it's almost like mm-hmm. better. Like you get to see everything up close, blah, blah, blah. So there was a huge, huge appeal and a huge push for this park. Um, which I think also came from, of course, as Kate talked about, Mikey was very, very competitive and he mm-hmm. wanted to put Universal Studios Park in the ground. Yeah. Well, um, I found an article from um, Jim Corcus that was like a breakdown of the events for the opening weekend. And I thought it was Ooh. some really cool details that they did. So we can go into that whenever y'all want. Or I still have stuff for like the dates leading up to it opening. Like, Go for know, the dates, baby. Okay. Do it. Um, well, we know that Frank Wells and Michael Eisner stepped onto the scene on September 22nd, 1984. So that's still pretty far back from when it opened, like five years before it opened. Um, but in 1985, they would end up authorizing a third theme park for Walt Disney World um, with the purpose to encourage out-of-towners and lo- even locals to just spend more time on property. Um They planned it to be near Epcot, and they wanted it to be smaller with room for expansion um, as just a half-day park for guests to go somewhere else. Um, The third gate planning started with what many people know as um, an idea for a future world pavilion in Epcot. Um, It was going to be a pavilion based around movies it was going to be the movie pavilion but when eisner saw the plans for this pavilion he determined that it needed to be a full-blown park like it was it needed to be bigger than just a pavilion in future world and epcot um but the original idea for the pavilion was an attraction called mickey's movie land um and it was going to portray like comic behind the scenes of the history of making mickey cartoons um So I didn't know that before reading the Since the World Began book. I thought that was interesting. Um, But Mikey didn't want to limit the concept to just a pavilion, so they decided to go the theme park slash movie studio concept route. I feel like it's safe to say the movie studio concept idea was probably stemmed from the fact that, you know, Universal had bought this land in 1982 and said that they were going to build a theme park. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, June 27th, 1985 was when they did sign that agreement with MGM UA that we talked about. Um, And then July 8th, 1985, um, he would hold a press conference with Governor Bob Graham in Tallahassee to announced the park um, sharing plans for an attraction called Great Moments at the Movies. That would become the Great Movie Ride. A video theater that would be entertaining demonstrations. Um, And then two live stunt shows. One was going to be a comedy stunt show and one was going to be an epic stunt show. They hadn't put Indiana Jones behind it yet, obviously. Um, Mm. And then there was going to be a Disney Archives that was going to be the history of Walt Disney production, animation demos, things like that. And then there was also going to be a small production facility on property. Um, Walt Disney Imagineering team in Glendale was thrilled about this opportunity, and they were very, very excited to get to recreate some of their favorite L.A. buildings in this new park. Like, they were instantly inspired, um, according to Since the World Began. Um, and they actually were saying, which I never put this together until I read it in the book, but they said one of the major inspirations for Disney MGM Studios 
like vibe is actually Disneyland. Um, that's why Ooh. I was surprised by this. They said they knew the importance of the human scale warmth and feeling of intimacy like in Disneyland. Um, they kept the hub and spoke model. A lot of people don't realize that, but like Hollywood Boulevard is supposed to be Main Street, which I know you're probably mm-hmm. sitting here mm-hmm. like, duh, Caitlin. But I thought about it since and I'm like, you're right, Epcot doesn't have the sidewalks when you walk up, you know, like you don't step up on the sidewalks to shops, um, animal right, kingdom. You don't really have that until you get almost to the tree of life. Whereas Hollywood studios is just like a Disneyland style park. You walk down their version mm-hmm. of a main street, you have the shops and then the weenie at the end is the Chinese theater. Um, so right. I thought that was very, a Chinese theater that once had something amazing in it and now has a garbage cuck. I know ride. I can't talk about it. <laughs> so, and I liked how they put this in the book. They called the Chinese theater instead of a castle. It was a movie palace, if you will, because it mm-hmm. was, I, I liked that. I thought that was fun. Um, And then the site of MGM, it was on the south side of Buena Vista Drive um, to fill out the connection between the Disney Village Marketplace and Epcot. Um, It was only a 135-acre site when they started construction in 1986, so very small compared to the other parks. But they did that on purpose. They wanted to see Mm -hmm. how the park would do before they would expand more offerings, which I think was really smart in the long run. Um, Magic Kingdom would end up having a preview center for the park um, right on Main Street. I think it was in like the Mickey Mouse Theater. Um, I actually have a brochure from that in my... um, office and it's kind of cool it has like a flip through of what was to come um i wish i could have gone and experienced that but i obviously wasn't born yet um and then so they were the plan was to be very conservative with the budget on this it's supposed to be a small theme park it's supposed to be like a smart idea don't spend a lot of money see what happens but Mm-hmm. Getting the details just right for all of the, you know, recreating of the L.A. buildings, getting the soundstage done. You know, we know Mikey likes to do things big. So by 1986, they were already ruining the budget like the budget was way out they had a catastrophe canyon the full-scale animation studio it was supposed to just be a remote thing it became a full-scale thing um and the total cost ended up accumulating to 500 million dollars for the park um and it was a small park it was like you said it had a lot of crazy like they didn't have a lot of like opening day stuff but everything they had like even the other day we were sitting there watching the indiana jones stunt spectacular and i know you remember kate was that opening day? it was not you and i went back and forth it was not it wasn't right because i remember they tried to push it for the 30th anniversary as opening day and you were like no it wasn't and then i I was opened in august no it opened in august um basically george lucas was not happy with it at the time and they they wanted to run some more they wanted to run it more they did they wanted it to be opening day but they were like we want to get this right so they pushed Mm -hmm. it back to august um but they would end up using that theater during this opening weekend for some of the events which is kind of funny but anyways um and then there were a number of productions that were filmed in the park before it even opened things like splash two in february of 1988 so like over a year before the park would even open they That's were filming crazy. movies um honey i blew up the kid wheel of fortune was being filmed there and i found out that apparently wheel of fortune brought their own production stuff with them to avoid being 
over overly charged by Disney for like the production equipment because they said uh, uh, uh. plus they were like this isn't even a good setup you know what I mean like it wasn't even a great setup so they were like we'd rather bring our own editing stuff our own whatever use the studio but like we're not gonna let Disney try to pull more money from us for like mediocre setup which I thought was well what what I was gonna say about the Indiana Jones yeah yeah spectacular though was I watched it no 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 you're fine I watched it for the first time yesterday in a long time which they also cut like a ton the show is Uh, I don't know if it was just I haven't seen it since the panini but it was right I haven't seen it since probably like the 30th when we went together but it was a lot shorter I don't know if it's always a lot shorter or if like something happened yesterday my grandpa loved it my grandpa really loved it it was still amazing but I was just thinking like even though it wasn't an opening day thing, it was like in that same opening like spending and they only pushed it back because they wanted to get it right. So even though that was just one thing, like when you look at the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular, you're like, holy crap, this must have cost a lot of money. Like I remember sitting there yesterday just randomly being like, whoa, this must cost a lot of money. Like between the people working every day, like the fire, the explosions, the, you know, and then I'm like, wow. So definitely like, even though there wasn't a ton of stuff open, it was, I feel like a lot of stuff that was like very educational. I feel like it's back when Disney, this was in my opinion, like the last time I feel like, oh no, because I guess Animal Kingdom is like this, but you know what I mean? Like they used to really care about the edutainment and I feel like edutainment is not really, besides in Animal Kingdom, I feel like they don't care about edutainment like anywhere. Yeah, I agree. And you know, so the no, experiences that were there, I mean, Mikey never promised a full day park when it initially opened and he let people know, like, we will build on this. And like, that's why we got big expansions, like within the next few years. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, the Backlot Tour, when it started, was like two and a half hours. It was like a two and a half hour experience. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. By the time it closed, it dropped down to, I believe, a 15 minute experience. Like it got real condensed over 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is crazy yeah. because so many people were at the Indiana Jones show. Like it was packed. Like yeah. every single seat was filled in the entire place. And it's been what? Over 30 years now. Everything was yeah. completely full. And, um, Good for Indy. Yeah. Like, it was it was huge. Well, for me, I mean, full house. I mean, Steve. You know, we think Steve oh, is yeah. Indiana Jones. Yep. That's, like, one of the main reasons I, I love to go to it. But, yeah, everybody wants to go experience it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it holds up. And the thing is, it's probably so much cheaper to run now, even with even before them shortening it, just because of technology, how it's changed, and That's the fact true. that it's been around for so long. Like, if I had to guess, I, I'm sure they've shortened it from what it used to used to be, but it's still fun. I'm I'm curious if it's actually shortened since the pandemic or if something just went down yesterday when you watched yeah, it. Yeah, I'm really I haven't not seen sure. It. I haven't seen it. Maybe we should go next time we're in the park. Just for yeah, I really liked it science. before. I, I really liked it more than I thought I remembered I did. So I would definitely be down to go again. But yeah, it's so crazy to think that like this, like the backstage tour used to be like two plus out like that's well crazy. plus like you used to not be able to get on it used to be called streets of new york then it be- became streets of america like they had all that blocked off they're like live set like can't be on here you know like there was there was so much more going on with the small space you know trying to really make it something i feel like um mm. But, you know, for people that are like, I want a long list of attractions, it could be argued that, yes, there wasn't a lot opening day, but, like, he never promised a full day park. It was a half day. It was a half day idea from the start. But anyway, um, let's talk about this opening weekend, because I I thought this 
I found this very detailed list of what went down and I was like, wow, the details. Like, I kind of wish they would open a new Disney park soon so I could see what their version of fanfare would be now because Mm -hmm. this stuff was insane. So if you don't mind... Let's get into I it. I do not mind. I love how you said their version of fanfare now because I'm like, mm. girl, you know they'd be like, Disney we have days, opening like, day merch. Never heard of it. Like an opening day yeah. spirit jersey. Sorry about it. Like I, I want to hear about this buff- amazing buffet that the people got to eat the day before, and like this and that, and the, you know, like I, I, I don't, I don't need another spirit jersey. We that get I merch may or may and we get like. cupcakes. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we'll go ahead into the the weekend of festivities. They started on Friday, April 28th, so like a full three days before the park would even open. Okay, so keep in mind, Disney had 7,000 media representatives, families, and guest stars celebrate this opening. So just keep that in mind with everything going on. Um, So they would kick it off on Friday with a special preview of Typhoon Lagoon Water Park during the day, and then at night, a block party for Pleasure Island. For those who don't know, Pleasure Island would open on May 1st, 1989 as well. So this group of people at this event were getting to experience this new nightlife add-on that wasn't even open yet either. Very cool. Um, But that's nothing compared to what's coming. So So Saturday, April 29th, This was described as the sneak preview day for Disney MGM Studios um, because the park was going to be officially dedicated a few days later. Um, But they had a special backstage tour where the guests, the people that were attending, got to see a rehearsal for the new Mickey Mouse Club show in Soundstage 3 and a taping of um, a conversation with Betty White in Soundstage 1. Then actress Bette Midler and Mikey would dedicate the backstage tour for the guests. Um, Midler had been filming um, special effects scenes and stuff for her movie, The Lottery, that was filmed at the park um, on the New York streets. So that had to be cool. I'm sure they were trying to push that as well with her being there. Um, Then there was a press conference in the Superstar Television Theater where Bette Midler, Mikey, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and the chief of production for Touchstone Television, Ted Kay, were in attendance. Mikey also did a walkthrough of the backstage tour with George Lucas, Midler, Katzenberg, and his family. But during the press conference, Mikey shared some words um, in a response to MCA's accusation that MCA, by the way, is like Universal's name at that time. Um, Their accusation that he stole the idea for the park from them for their Universal Studios Florida. Clowns. (laughs) He said. And I quote, if somebody wants to constantly create a false media situation, so be it. We are going to try and control ourselves and not lie down on the floor and have a temper tantrum, which we all feel like doing, and act mature, which has taken me quite a few years to learn how to do and pretend it doesn't bother us at all. Same, Mikey. I wish. This is the best part. I wish they'd shut up. That's how he ended it. And though there was laughter in the audience, according to this. Um, <laughs> I like the part about throwing yourself on the floor. Acting yes, like a that's what I'm saying. I'm like, girl, I'm like, dude, you're I really working know. through this. Like, you're really <laughs> working through this on stage. 
I, I read it and I was like, should I include this? And I'm like, no, I, mm-hmm. I want people to know where Mikey was at in 1989. Anyways, um, and then, Mikey is a king. I just want, honestly, everyone's like, but he was bad. No, I don't care. No, I don't care. He had more courage. Don't talk to me. Left testy than you have in your entire body, babe. <laughs> Good luck paying me back with your zero dollar salary. Plus, Plus benefits, benefits babe. <laughs> babe. Because also, that I think man... that's the first use of the word testy on our podcast. So <laughs> it definitely is. I'm so sorry, everyone. I don't know if that's explicit, but we love it. Definitely. I mean, it's just bodily. It's just bodily. I didn't yeah. say it with any type of wink connotation. But this man had confidence. If you enjoy any aspect of Mikey's journey and you have the audacity in this year, 2023, to still hate this man, it's embarrassing. Like, we've moved past the Disney animation issues. Like, I did his thing who and fixed cares? it. He lost his mind at the end yeah. because he was getting sick and his best friend died. Yeah. News, flash. I would too. I'm yeah. just letting y'all yep. know. Yeah. If anything yep. ever Plus, were to happen a tourism to crash. my best friend and my life was also falling apart on top of it, I can't even let you know the, th- the yeah. strings the that would yeah. snap. The spiral that would happen. So I don't care. This man, I don't care. This man I don't went care if Ryan murdered my entire family. <laughs> <laughs> this man went he for it. He is like a son to me. Whether it failed or not, he said, let's swing for the fences. And if it failed... We do something TFB. else. We go We go on to something else. We'll make it happen. Anyways, now that we've talked enough about our favorite man. Love you, Mikey. Um, Love you. S- still Saturday, um, the night's events, uh, the world premiere night, started at 7 o'clock that night. That's some of the footage you'd see from the two-hour special that you talked about earlier. Um that premiered, I think, like the day before um, it came out. The park opened, but um, yeah. So they had, you know, they had limousines that were getting all the stars out. They'd walk down a red carpet, um, and then they'd end up at the Brown Derby for a private dinner reception. Um, unfortunately, the rain was a problem in Florida, so that actually ended up holding everything not? up by like two mm-hmm. hours. Because they can't have all these people getting out of these vehicles looking star-studded and, like, being rained on and wearing ponchos. So, anyway, um, the black tie event began with a champagne greeting at the gate. And dinner was served at 71 buffet locations, um, offering menu items like a filet mignon, um, stir-fried lobster... Smoked lamb chops, snails California, barbecued shrimp, Dungeness crab claws, cob salad, obvi, tropical fruit platter, Tell chocolate my girl Chelsea. Truffles, chocolate, yep, shout out Chelsea. Um, <laughs> then at 8 o'clock and 9.30 p.m., they had a performance of Hollywood Hollywood at the Theater of the Stars. Fun fact, the Theater of the Stars was actually located at the front of where Sunset Boulevard is today and got pushed back when they did that expansion in the 90s. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but the Wait, theater- what is Theaters of the Stars now? Is it still there? Yeah, that's the Beauty and the Beast Theater. So that oh. theater was actually right there. Um, so anyway, uh, they had they had this number at eight o'clock and nine thirty, um, and then after that at eight thirty they had the parade of stars. Nine p.m. they had the Pointer Sisters live at the Indiana Jones Theater. 
So again, that ride wouldn't open until August, but they were using this theater during the weekend. Mm -hmm. Nine and 10 o'clock, they had George Burns live at the Chinese Theater. They At 10.30, they had Willie Nelson live at the Indiana Jones Theater again. And at 11.45, they would have a Hollywood spectacular grand finale, sparkling salute to the silver screen, featuring all the Disney characters, a cast of thousands, stunts, sizzling special effects, and a sky full of fabulous fireworks. Insane. And then... Remember, also just to add on during this time, all of those handprints in front of the Chinese theater were added like after the park had opened, like some were like yeah. in that opening. But mm-hmm. yesterday when I was looking, some of them were like in the year following or like yeah. a couple, the first right. couple of years following. So they would have like these pretty cool events every once in a while in the parks where celebrities would be there putting their hands in front of the Chinese theater. And there are some big people. That's the oh, yeah. only place where Audrey Hepburn's hands are. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin Little's hands and feet are there <laughs> yeah. right after Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Like, there were some pretty cool people in and out of this park all the time. Plus, they were filming TV shows there. Yeah. Like, so this finale was very elaborate, and it was compared to a Super Bowl halftime show because there were costume changes, dancers along Hollywood Boulevard, seven grand pianos lifted up in the air from a main stage. What did stage we get for the 50th fr- anniversary again? I can't remember. I think <laughs> a spirit jersey. Anyways, um... <laughs> Um, they were a uh, golden statue. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I. I'm and glad wait, I wait! Don't that. forget on the on the 50th. We when we met up with Josie and she had a pretzel for me. It was wrapped in a 50th <laughs> special 50th paper that I then That's threw true. in the trash can. So That's true. <laughs> it's true. Memories. We got a lot. The magic was calling. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the magic was calling, calling, calling from 1989. Us. It's calling. <laughs> so, like I said a few minutes ago, um, this. There was an NBC camera taping all the segments for this for the two-hour special, the Disney MGM Studios theme park grand opening that would go out the following night. So this night went Insane. on till midnight, and they filmed all of it, and they turned it around to put on NBC the next night. Um, let's see. Now Sunday, the day before the parks opened, Sunday, April 30th, Um, They had a Future Projects press conference in the Walt Disney Theater with Eisner, Dick Nunes, um, Frank Wells, Katzenberg, Marty Sklar, and Charles Ridgway. They had a parade of TV legends, uh, Legends of TV down Hollywood Boulevard, um, and those legends were people like Annette Finicello, Art Linkletter, um... I'm trying to find another name. Let's see. David Nelson. They had a they had a long list. There were a lot of there were a lot of TV legends that were in this parade. Um there was a I de- feel like the next time the three of us all go to Hollywood Studios, we need to have a parade of podcast legends for the three of us just down. <laughs> I'm bringing down I'm bringing seven I think that actually might be more exciting. The air. That's what <laughs> I'm It might doing. be more exciting than the 50th anniversary if we had our <laughs> Parade of Podcast Legends. And I just can't believe that you have to remember, again, like I said, at the same time that all of this is going on and is on TV, they are constantly bombarding people with commercials. With, oh, there's a parade on? 
Let's take a look at what's going on at Walt yep. Disney World. Oh, this is going on. Let's look at what's going on at Walt Disney World. The opening special on ABC. The one that we are sharing in the show notes has all of the original commercials as well. And it is worth it to watch alone for the McDonald's salad commercial. Yeah. Let me just tell I'm you. Ready. But like they were pushing this park like nobody's business. And I feel like maybe it was that competition. Yeah. I mean, we know it was Mikey. But it was that. It was the combination, in my opinion, of like Michael Eisner being like, do whatever you want to do. Do something crazy I don't care we're gonna try our best matched with like we better put Universal into the ground yeah (laughs) well and you know at that time they were building the other park down the street like it would open Mm -hmm. a year after this so like they had something going on already um so yeah I do think it was he was like we gotta make this so unforgettable that whatever they do over there ain't gonna Mm -hmm. be it anyways and it was it was it was working like I mean even in the special alone like John Ritter made it sound so special like he was literally like just talking it up talking about how it was just like Hollywood and then in the one with Regis Philbin there was a part where he was like you never know you might be discovered and it was another (laughs) this was another special Mm -hmm. when he stood on top of um like the water tower and uh, they were showing it being built. What I and give. he was talking they made it sound like people who came to this park could be in the movies. Like they were yeah. in the fun of being in the movies and saying things like, Who knows, you might even get discovered. Like I feel like yeah. at this time T V and movies were also huge like I remember even in the early 90s when I was a kid like it was a big deal like live tv or you could be in the live studio audience like that was really cool oh yeah yeah so continuing on with Sunday the day before they had a dedication for superstar television theater and the monster show monster sound show as a part of the 50th anniversary of television broadcasting so there they are celebrating a 50th anniversary of something else as a part of their of their opening weekend. I don't want to talk about it. Including, they also had a dinner celebrating the 50th anniversary later that night. Um, they also had a press conference with Frank Wells and um, the head of Sony Corporation, which was sponsoring those pavilions at the time. Um, mm-hmm. They would have a press conference with Annette Funicello in the new Mouseketeers on Soundstage 3. Audrey Hepburn had a press conference in Superstar Television Theater. There was a dedication of the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Theater with Eisner and Lucas. George Lucas, I'm laughing because it won't open for months, but I guess they were like, we'll just get this out of the way. Um, They also had a press conference with Eisner, George Lucas, and Katzenberg. They released a model of Star Tours being unveiled by Lucas and Frank Wells. Um, This is cool because this attraction would open, I believe, in December of 1989, so later that year so here they are right before it opens being like this is what's coming so get ready to come back um they had a midnight viewing of illuminations at epcot um all three sound stages were open and operating soundstage one had interview tapings with um george burns that day and bob hope Mm -hmm. the day of park opening we talked about betty white already soundstage two had delta airlines which I'm assuming this was around the time that they started that sponsorship, um, producing videos explaining aircraft safety using um, a renovated portion of an L-1001 as a prop, um, which would become a permanent 
set in the park. Um, and then Soundstage 3 had the Mickey Mouse Club filming. They did the rehearsal the day before. Day of... This is the last one, I promise. Um, day of... I love it. Monday, May 1st, There's just so much fanfare. Uh, we had at 8.45 a.m. there was the official grand opening ceremony. I wonder if that grand opening ceremony was just Mickey Mouse walking out and waving and then them saying, welcome, enjoy your day, or if they did something really exciting. Like they I'm do guess, every single day. Yeah, I'm a guess yes. it was something exciting. So we had Roy E. Disney. He was dedicating the animation pavilion, magic of an- Disney animation. That makes sense to me, like, that makes sense. That's awesome. Um, they had a press conference with Eisner, Katzenberg, Wells, Roy E. Disney, Nunes, and Scalar. Uh, the official first family, Alan and Mary um, Gutez of... Um, they're, they're both 37. They had their teen daughters, Gina and Dawn, and Mary's father, Marshall, all from York, Pennsylvania, uh, they were the first family. They had waited six hours to be the first family. Um, let's see. They were interviewed and appeared on the D- Today Show, and they were given lifetime passes to the Disney theme park. Lifetime passes? Again, oh, my gosh. It was so funny. Passes. Yesterday, my grandpa was, like, um, asking about my dad because we got him and my dad into the parks this weekend yeah. or these last couple days. And he was like, I thought your dad had a lifetime pass. And I was like, no, Poppy. He had an annual pass for one year. <laughs> but he was calling the annual pass a lifetime pass. I was like, I wish. I wish. If only. I wish. Um, and then... We all know that, well, I don't know if we all know, but Bob Hope was the one that cut the ceremonial film strip ribbon that day. This is very interesting because when they did the groundbreaking back in 1986, Bob Hope was also there with Michael Eisner for that groundbreaking. (laughs) So I think it's interesting that he got to be a big part of like this entire situation um and then it says that the first family commented that they spent so much time on interviews that they were worried they might not have time to see the parks before the park before they had to leave so that just goes to show how much media was there um and then some of the other celebrities that were in the parks um included kevin costner um harry anderson the voice of roger rabbit um charles Fleischner, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Jim Varney, that's the vo- the original voice of Slinky Dog, for those who don't know. Yeah. Ernest, the Ernest guy, R.I.P. Dick Van Dyke was there. Um, but th- there's of a course. long list. Like, the list goes on and on. Um, despite security ropes, security guards, um, despite the security ropes, the security guards were overwhelmed that opening day from the surge of crowds that were there by 6.30 a.m., even though the park wouldn't open for another two hours. Now, that doesn't sound that crazy to me because I know you've got to get there like three or four hours early on an opening but thing now. But then. this was this back, back then. In the day. This was back in the day. Um, and the park was at full capacity by 9.30 a.m. Um, and it wouldn't reopen until 2 p.m. later that day. Um, that's the end of that. But I will make a note that my stuff from Since the World Began book they said that apparently MGM ended up pushing their park ha- hours that entire summer from 6 p.m. closing to midnight every single night due to the popularity of the theme park wow. um, for that first summer, you know, because people wanted to be there. So I, I wish we had those hours now. And right? that's when they had like no attraction. Mm-hmm. Literally, it had two rides, but they stayed open till midnight every night instead of 6 p.m. They'd stay home open an extra six hours. So... 
I thought that was crazy. And we have all these attractions now and all like more yeah. things to do. And it's like, no, we're closing at eight o'clock. That is one park that I'm always like, can we stay open a little bit later? Literally. Babe? Why do they close at eight? I don't understand. Now, some other promotional stuff. Nine. I think they close technically yeah, at nine. Yeah, but you know what I'm you know Before I'm people saying. come out and are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, so, I think I think now that Fantasmic's back, they are open that late, but I remember being there plenty of times mm-hmm. after the pandemic and it would close at eight. And I'm like, why are we doing this? This is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, now just a few like press notes that I found from since the world began about the opening. This was the largest park opening in Walt Disney world history at the time. Um, which is pretty crazy because Epcot was a big deal. And so was the magic kingdom. We know magic kingdom was a big deal opening. So the fact that they kicked it up to be such a large thing, I think is wild for such a small park. Um, Newsweek would publish a cover story about the project, and there was also a full-page ad in People. There were four-page ads in Time and Newsweek leading up to. Um, And even though it rained on opening day, the park was packed. There were hundreds of radio and television broadcasts taking place. So that's just some... That's just some like media numbers for you based on mm-hmm. opening. Absolutely insane. They were just pushing it everywhere, which yeah. was so cool to see. Yeah. So, yeah. MGM was that girl. Also, yeah, I think it worked. Like everything they did, like it worked. Between 1987 and 1999, they were pushing this dang park they were tons of pre-opening looks showing the dirt showing it being built mm-hmm. always factoring in something that the people could recognize oh like yeah the golden girls house like they were always being like do you recognize something. this they had countdowns they had celebrities they had literally everything they were leveraging like in the commercials like you love the castle you love spaceship earth you love like disney now we're adding more it's gonna be even better like they were pushing it as a single park and they were pushing it as like a part of Walt Disney World. And it was so smart, you know, for them to start small like that because it did give them the room from a PR standpoint to be like, wow, guests want more, so we're listening and we're adding more. You know what I mean? When they knew all along mm-hmm. they had the space to add more, but oh, instead of them putting more out and like it flopping, like what would happen in future parks and stuff, um, they took it slow with this and I think it it ended up paying off. You know? Um, I will say one of my favorite things about Disney's Hollywood Studios today that can still be found there is like the only place you can still find the old Disney MGM Studios logo. It's on the dedication plaque near that cameraman statue on the left. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. um, that's the only place you can still find that logo. And I thought I would just read the dedication plaque like of what Michael Eisner said when he dedicated the park because I think it's fun. To it's see, amazing. Like, where the, Let's yeah, do it. I mean, it's Mikey. This man told them that he wished that they would shut up about the Universal park. So let's see what he had to shut say. Shut up about this. Universal. I don't care. I, I don't care about your trash park. I, I've had to stop myself from throwing a tantrum. Anyways, he this said, is a dream I've had since lunch, and I'm not. I'm not giving up, up on, it, up on now. it now. I don't <laughs> care Literally about Universal Mikey. Park. Anyways, so Mikey read this dedication. It's still on the plaque today in the park. You can still find it there. But this is what it says. The world you have entered was created by the Walt Disney Company and is dedicated to Hollywood. Not a place on a map, but a state of mind that exists wherever people dream and wonder and imagine. A place where illusion and reality are fused by technological magic. 
We welcome you to a Hollywood that never was and always will be. Hell yeah. And that is where, if you are a fan of yeah. um, Carousel Project Podcasts, spin-off project, spinning carousel company, that is where we the got necklace the name. name for our 1989 necklace from. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kate and I agreed on that Yo, very, so very quick. quickly. It was, like, it was like our minds were in one place. Yeah. We were like, oh my gosh, absolutely, that has to be the name. Yeah. Um... And so we feel like the name is an even more fun nod, but yeah. just again. For we, legal we just, reasons, they're not connected at all. But for no, non-legal reasons, for non-legal reasons, that's a fun little nod. So <laughs> But for legal reasons, no. <laughs> so anyway, I, I love that dedication plaque. When I pass it in the park, it makes me happy because of course MGM as the name was not going to work out long term, but I do like still seeing that little Easter egg. You can't find that logo a lot of places, mm-hmm. and I love anything to do with Mikey, obviously. So so what do we think? Was this a successful PR push for this park? Did they do a good job? I would say they did a great job. One of the Definitely. links I will be including um, in there is going to be another video, um, like, special they put out called the making of disney mgm studios one of my favorite youtube videos of all time and that's where they really talk about the construction process behind it they really spell out their moves between the different details they included i will say one detail that i did not realize um was that they really went into detail about was the brown derby um yes Mm -hmm. we knew it was based on the famous restaurant but what i didn't know is it was actually based on the second location of the brown derby because that was the one that was more frequently visited by celebrities due to its location um so i thought that was really interesting because it would have been very easy to just do like the original you know whatever but this they wanted to really go into the mindset of like where were people eating in 1920, you know, in the 1920s? It was just everything. It was just everything was so thoughtful. Yeah. So right. I loved, um, as always, I could tell you guys if you want to learn even more about this park. Um, since the world began, they have an entire chapter on the park, the details, the process from Disney. Um, it came out in 1996. It's one of my favorite books. And it was really cool to be able to go back and cross-check that research with like a verified Mm -hmm. source of that book yeah and that's where they really pulled some of those details that i didn't know even with the many times i've deep dived mgm studios and the details like over the years it was cool to get to look into that so i can't recommend that book enough it is well over 25 years old but i i still love it so yeah it is a great book one more thing i just realized when we were talking about brown derby is my family and I, um, when we used to go to Las Vegas a lot when I was a kid, we would go eat at the Brown Derby, which was located at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las oh, Vegas. Oh, dang. Yeah, they had a location. I don't know if it's still there, but they, yeah. had, they had a location at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. And then there was a Brown Derby location at MGM you know, Studios in Florida. That's, that's interesting. Crazy. That's interesting. Um, one little one little PR thing that I did not know is that uh, Great Movie Ride was actually originally supposed to be sponsored by Sears. Um, what? what? So this is kind of wild. This is kind of an out there thing. I hope you all enjoy. But 
the the attraction great moments at the movies was supposed to be presented by sears um disney and sears announced a joint market license agreement um in november of 1987 and sears was set to sponsor not only that showcase attraction but also a hollywood showcase store in the park um the deal would end up falling through and what ended up happening is Coke would take over as the sponsor. Coca-Cola mm-hmm. would be the sponsor from 1989 to 1998. Um, and then it wouldn't have a sponsor again until Turner Classic Movies from 2015 to 2017. But I thought that was interesting. Like, I've never yeah. read that anywhere else about the Sears partnership. And you have to think, like, they had done those partnerships for, like, the Winnie the Pooh for President stuff and things like that. So the fact that they were going to partner up for basically, like, the main attraction at this new park it's a shame that that ended up falling through within the year and a half before it would open you know mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been seriously. really cool i would have loved to see what a big sears store would have looked like at that point in time you know there are so many things that i feel like they almost yeah yeah for real i really really wish yeah honestly you know i feel like we may have to do another MGM episode at some point because like there's we really just scratched the surface. There's just so much. This is like, just the opening. This was yeah. all just the opening. Like we may have to do another one, maybe about like the name change or maybe about the expansions. Like you guys let us know what you want to hear more about because there's really so much that goes into this park that we obviously can't cover because it's it would be another hour or two that we'd be talking yeah. mm-hmm. even without our commentary on our thoughts, you know. So anyway, an amazing opening. I if I could go back in time <laughs> It would be to this opening weekend, 1989, because mm-hmm. I could still go yep. experience Epcot. I could still oh, go absolutely. experience the, the 80s Epcot. So anyway. Absolutely. We are so thrilled to be here for another season. Season six. I can't believe we are well on our way to another season. As always, we appreciate all of you so, so much for listening along and allowing us to have this incredible, incredible passion project. We love chatting with you. We love talking with you. And again, like we said in the beginning of the episode, there are even more ways to do that now. You can find us as always at Carousel Project Podcast on um, Instagram. But in addition to that, as we have on our highlight on that page, and as I'm going to share with you right now, you can leave your questions, leave your thoughts in a voicemail, and we will actually play it in episode. We can't wait to do that this season. The number is 407-457-4456. Yes. Yes, you can leave us a voicemail. Yeah, you um, can. So in addition to the new voicemail, which please, y'all, I would love to hear y'all's questions. We'd love to hear from you guys. So that would be amazing if we get some voicemails. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, we still have our Patreon going strong. We do have a bonus episode dropping with this episode. Um, it's all mm-hmm. about the magic of Disney animation. Um, I read an amazing book by an animator who worked at that um at that attraction from when it opened to when it closed. Um, So she really had a lot of insight into what the attraction started as, what it became, and what it eventually would become before it closed. So anyway, it's going to be a really fun bonus episode um, if you guys want to hear that. And our other bonus episodes, you'll want to join either the C ticket, D ticket, or E ticket um, tiers. But really, any tier gets some fun perks. So be sure to Mm -hmm. check out that link in the show notes. 
And as always, share us with your friends and family. We've got so many amazing episodes so far, a great season in front of us, and we can't wait to share it with you. And last but not least, reviews. You know what Adam's favorite number is. No, Paul, it's not 19. It's five. (laughs) It's five. And so we are still collecting five-star reviews. Um, We love getting the feedback from you guys and seeing what you all enjoy about the podcast. Every single five-star review brings such a smile to Adam's face because he loves seeing his favorite number in the form of reviews. gives him a thrill. Five, five, five. That's all I need. (laughs) It just gives him an absolute (laughs) thrill and i was gonna say last but not least but kate beat me to it but just for all of those people who love disney history who love disney who love the podcast who have been asking us for merch we do have spinning carousel company which is our theme park inspired pixie dust jewelry kate and i work super 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 hard on this other passion project and we know that y'all love disney history as much as we do are always looking for fun ways to add a touch of that disney magic and, and theme park magic to, you know, your every day, whether you're in the parks or you're at home. We're launching so many new products this season. Um, so it's going to be really fun to to be doing season six and launching new products. And yeah, if you think that sounds like something you'd be interested in, please feel free to check us out on Instagram at Spinning Carousel Company. And as a special thank you to those who are still listening this far in, you're the real ones. We love you. If you're listening this far in, go ahead and send us a DM. The first two people that send us a DM and let us know that you heard about this part will get a special discount code for Spinning Carousel Co. Wow. Because I'm going to go do that right now. Yeah, because... Adam is not yeah, eligible. Adam's not eligible. Oh, so don't worry. Adam is not Adam's not eligible. eligible. But like, if you're listening Adam, you can end, buy something, but we're never going to send it out to you. <laughs> no, we just want to take your money and, and and we'll never send it. Okay? That you're is never... a deep cut. That is a deep, deep cut. <laughs> so again, about not Club 30 let us know who would like to see Club 30 team, Muppet Vision 3T, any of these any of these versions of a Patreon where we share our team. Please let us know. We would we are begging to create this content for yes, somebody. Please. We love you all. Yes. Thanks so much for spending time with us. We can't wait for season six. Bye. Love ya. Bye. Watch out. Love you. Love you. Take care. Bye. Love you were different. I thought you had five minutes to be there for me. This is once as a friend. friend.